This is the Education Business Podcast for consultants and business owners providing services in schools. I'm Claire Riley, and I'll be sharing how to start, grow, and scale your education business. So today we're talking about how to price your products or services to schools and teachers. And it's important to note that selling to these two groups are actually different, and we're going to cover both teachers and schools in this episode. Talking about pricing and thinking about it can be really uncomfortable, but we've got to do it. And if you've been in the public sector before, then you've probably heard, you know, products and services prices being banded around. And I'm sure they sounded pretty extortionate to you at the time. And then you'll have been told that budgets are tight as well, which is not a lie. That's true. Budgets are tight. But then it makes us really difficult for us as we step into this space to work out what on earth to charge, you know, what's fair. But what I really want you to take from this podcast episode is that you don't have to settle for super cheap. So I've got 10 points to cover here to get you thinking about what's going to work in your business when it comes to pricing. So the first thing is that you really need to get clear about the results that you can deliver in order to find the right price. So I want to ask yourself a couple of questions. Is it going to save teachers time? Because that's something that's really valuable. And is it going to scale up teachers to be better in their practice? So you need to price for results and not time for money. So we all know that teachers have a salary, and if you were in teaching before, you had a salary. And often when we leave teaching, we move ourselves to this hourly rate. Nobody else did it, we did it. We moved ourselves to an hourly hourly rate. So I used to charge £20 an hour for tutoring, and there might be some people who are doing tutoring, and we charge you know, per hour or 45 minute session. But we don't think of the work or the experience that happened in the eight years prior to that time or the time that we spent preparing before the lesson. We think of it as an hourly rate, but it's important to view it as a package, especially if you're a consultant or something like that. So I don't know if you've heard this story, but Picasso was in a cafe in Paris when a fan asked him to draw a sketch on a napkin. And then when he'd done that, he asked for $10,000. And she said, well, you did that in 30 seconds. She was she was outraged. And he said, no, it's taken me 40 years to do that. You know, and the moral of the story is that he wouldn't have been able to do that in 30 seconds if he hadn't put 40 years worth of work in. So what skill or expertise are you bringing to the table that's going to have that long-lasting effect? How will it change the school? If you can really get your ideas clear in this area, it will really help you to not undercharge because you'll hold more value in what you're offering and you'll stop thinking about that event as time for money and more about the long-term experience or result for the school. So the second point I want to make around pricing in schools is that you need to avoid getting into the resentment trap by pricing correctly in the first place. And it might be that you already feel like you're in this trap but you can get out of it so when I was a tutor back in 2012 I started out by visiting children's houses and teaching an hour session for 20 20 pounds and this gave me a ceiling of 40 pound earnings per day between 4 p.m and 6 p.m and I did that after a full day of supply so I paid for the petrol out of that and my travel time was 30 minutes as well so I didn't enjoy the teaching but I resented it because it didn't really work for me even though I really liked it. But I worked out at £16 an hour, I couldn't move into permanent tutoring because it'd only give me £40 a day and I wouldn't see my husband dead or anything. So I changed the model up a bit and as I got more clients, 
I decided that I was going to make it work better for me. So I had them come to my house instead. I still charged £20, but I reduced the teaching time to 45 minutes. And I explained to the parents that, you know, they had a shorter attention span anyway. And I didn't really feel like um, we did that much extra in the 15 minutes and it would still be as valuable. And they were fine with that. So this gave me an extra £20 for less time. And I preferred this because obviously it worked for me. So you can like what you do, but still feel undervalued. And it's possible to sort of set this up that way, isn't it, for yourself? And this is an excellent way to get burned out. <laughs> lose your passion, lose your drive for your business and, and, you know, burn it into the ground, if I'm honest. So it doesn't help when it comes to support from your family members either if they don't see that you're valued in that and you're not valuing yourself and they might not be able to realize that that's what it is they'll just see that you're not getting paid very much for what you're doing so it is possible to do this to ourselves and then we blame it on other people we could blame it on our situation we could blame it on our circumstances we could blame it on the fact we've got children and we don't have much time or we can blame it on the market and say well there's not enough clients so the third thing that i want to mention is that you need to look at how your competitors are pricing This is important to learn what's possible for you. So if you can clearly see a business is doing well and you feel their prices are expensive, then they're obviously managing to deliver perceived value. So what is that perceived value? Why do clients perceive that? Where does your product fit sit in the mix of that? Could it be the same price as theirs? Is yours actually as good? And this is where we need to be really honest with ourselves as well. Does your product or service deserve to be that price? Or are you at a point where you've got less of it? Maybe you've not got as much experience or you're still building brand awareness around your business and maybe it needs to be a bit cheaper. So the fourth area I want to look at is that you need to work out what's unique about you in your business. So some people in business say not to look at your competitors and that what your competitors are doing is none of your business. And I do say things like that a lot. I do think it's important to look to get a feel for what's going on and help you price and work out how you are different, but it does have its place. So I focus 99.9% on what we're doing and I've always been that way. I'm a bit of a trailblazer, to be honest. I just think there's no point in following another company's journey because while you'll see the successes, they'll also have made an awful lot of mistakes and they probably don't celebrate those things. But if you're following their footsteps, you're just going to do the same thing. So better to learn from their mistakes instead. So when you obsess about competition, then you don't turn out anything unique. And it's important to be unique to be you. So you have to figure out what's unique about you and why people would buy from you. So depending on what your product or service is, you can pitch yourself as an alternative or as an addition. So at Classroom Secrets, I like to position us as an addition to other products because I honestly believe that that's the best thing for the children that we should be in addition to other resource sites rather than instead of. If I was in the classroom now and I was using textbooks, I don't think I'd be a very good teacher if I only had one option available because that might not work for every child. So anyway, I see obsessing over what competitors are doing happening across the market, but you need to focus on what you're doing, what you're offering, and the prices that you're charging have to make sense. So what is it that is different about you? What is the perceived value of that? What what do your clients perceive your value is? Are you educating them correctly on that? Ask your clients for feedback. Find out what they think because sometimes what you think they think is completely different and they might not realize that you've got X, Y, and Z going on. And that's when you need to change your messaging so that you can make sure that 
they have the right perception of the value that you're offering. So the next thing to consider when it comes to pricing then is whether or not you should be the cheapest on the market. So that's a really easy thing to do when you're starting out, just be the cheapest to get more sales. But do you have good reasons for that? And and it's good to write out what the pros and cons of that are. So if you are the cheapest, is it going to cause all teachers and all schools to buy you anyway, regardless of whether the product or service is good or not? And I suppose, is that a good thing? Is it your aim? And maybe it is a good thing in the beginning. I don't know. It depends on your specific business. Or is it going to cause you problems in the future if you fall into that resentment trap? Is it going to damage your reputation if lots of teachers buy from you when your product or service is not very good? And then are you going to have to recover from that later? So it's important to work out, you know, where you sit. So the sixth thing to consider then is pricing in your first 24 months of business. So maybe maybe you have just started out and I want you to think about how much experience you actually have. So we've just talked about whether you should be the cheapest and maybe you're starting out so you, you feel like you should be the cheapest but you might have 20 years experience. But what exactly is your experience in though and are you very clear on that? So for example, I've got eight years education business experience but it's actually 15 years in education. But while the education bit is important, I'm not here telling you that I've got 15 years experience in that. I'm saying I've got eight years education business experience. So the first two years is a great time to pick up the knowledge that you might have that's missing because you can start and still have missing knowledge and then you you can account for that in your pricing. And I don't want you to think that I'm telling you to start off really cheap either. But a great way is to start with the end in mind. So start with the end price in mind. And this allows you to be more flexible with your pricing as you grow and as you become more well-known and more experienced. So when we started Classroom Secrets, we wanted to, the price to be £15 for an individual for the year. And, you know, that might seem cheap, but back in 2013, it was not the cheapest. Um, and this was higher than one of our competitors at the time. And that was because I felt that they were priced too low for what they were offering. But that said, I knew that we didn't have enough resources to charge £15. And, and for me to feel um, like there was integrity in that. So looking at what our competitors were offering, I knew that the price really needed to be lower, but we still priced it at £15, but we said that it was half price. So it was actually £7.50, but the perceived value was £15, which, which helped in the first few years. And we continued with that for about three years until we became more established, even as we increased the prices a bit. So we'd have periods of offering big discounts at key times of the year, like in August and in January. So with Education Business Club, though, when I first started mentoring clients, I followed the 333 model and I learned that from JT Fox on Clubhouse. So you should definitely get on Clubhouse. And what I did in that model was I mentored my first three clients for free to get testimonials. Then the next three clients I mentored at 10% of what my overall price would be. The next three I charged half price. And then after that, that was it. I was I was into full on charging full price by them. But it really allowed me to gain experience and figure out what um what people's pain points were and what the problems were and work up to believing that I had enough value to charge that kind of money. So that's what my clients find most disappointing when I chat to them is the fact that I still have these mindset struggles and I needed to work up to believing that I had enough value to charge that even in my second business when I've got eight years business experience. And they're not disappointed because I, I, I'm honest with them and I have these mindset struggles. They're more disappointed because it's a realization for them that it doesn't go away. 
you can you can have a successful business you can have you can be perceived as really successful by everyone else and that's you know often a, a position i'm in but you can still have these little mind mites um that get you thinking down the wrong path and you've just got to correct yourself all the time but it is about harnessing the good techniques and practicing self-awareness in this space just over and over and over again. So let's talk about then what to charge a school. And this can be so tricky because we're told all the time that school budgets are so tight and they are tight, but they are still spending money, but they're spending money on the things that are really important to them. And it can be really easy to price too cheaply and then wonder why schools won't buy it. But in all honesty, do you not think that maybe they'll think it's no good? Because while their budgets are... um, tighter the price of bread and the price of apples not everything's gone down has it so it's important to think about what your product is really worth so at the end of the day if you've got a good business then you're solving a problem for them so what is that solution actually worth to them I heard on Clubhouse the other day somebody saying that they didn't have a specific price for their uh, service they actually went to companies and worked out what their solution was worth to the company and charge them accordingly, which I thought was a really interesting model, but something for us to think about. So obviously, it completely depends on what you're offering, but your service or product should not be less than £100. So if your service is less than that for a school, you've also got to think, is it worth the school going going um, forward on that? Because schools make big purchases, and it takes it takes a lot of effort, to be honest, for them to purchase things in the first place. But I would think about increasing the value of the overall package if your product or service is less than that. Um, so the way you might do that is by offering resources that go alongside that or you might do an extra one-to-one session with maybe the leader of the subject that your training is helping. So a day of training can go right up to £1,500 with one person delivering. So if it's more than one person, it could even be more than that. But to get this, you've got to be really confident and you've got to be confident in your results and you need to be in high demand to get those kind of um, fees. And I do know that some consultants actually sort of let you pair up schools in order to pay that kind of price. But I do think the minimum for, say, consultancy should be about £700 a day. Obviously, if your training's any good, <laughs> it needs to be good. And and you can get the results that you're promising. And if you feel uncomfortable about this, I just wanted to sort of do a little bit of a demonstration. So I know £700 a day sounds a lot of money, but I want you to calculate, you know, the number of days a year that you can actually offer this. So unless you are in really high demand, fully booked, and schools will move around a training day for you, then it's unlikely that you're going to be able to fill every day. So there's 195 teaching days. So Say you are aiming to take in the business 35 grand a year and you might think, oh, that's really good, Um, especially if you've not been in teaching long. But at £700, that's 50 bookings. That's actually really hard to get 50 sales in a year. That's one to two days a week. But is that all you're doing? Are you only offering those sessions in the day or are you having to do all the other things as well? You know, setting out that you're going to deliver one to two days a week is different to actually making that amount of sales. You can say that I've got time to deliver these things, but are you actually going to get that amount of sales? And what happens to get those sales as well? And then there's the other expenses to consider, like the insurance and the taxes and the accountant and everything. Pretty soon, that 35 grand will have dwindled quite a bit. And, you know, can you actually deliver all those days in school without the admin help to help you with social media and your emails and client bookings and phone calls and all these things. 
And I just want you to think, you know, when you are pricing your consultant there, if the school had the knowledge in-house, then they'd do it in-house and there'd be no problem. But they don't have that in-house. That's why they've come to you because you're experienced and doing this every day and they want to make sure that they're getting really great knowledge in to make sure that they can skill their teachers up. And just remember that they're paying a company £700 for a session. They're not paying you that. And when they're paying the company, the company has to pay everything that it has to pay. And that even could be an extra wage. You know, if you've got admin help, it could be um, insurance, travel and all these extra things. So that's something to consider. So let's talk then about what to charge a teacher. So on the contrary, it's not hundreds of pounds. Personally, I think even £100 is too much to expect a teacher to pay out of their own pocket, even if it makes their lives easier, never mind improving their practice. So they are already buying so many other things for their classrooms. It's just very different to the business sector. You can charge hundreds or thousands for a course and people will see the value in the business sector, but teachers have an income ceiling and it just doesn't work in the same way. So I see companies trying to sell courses that they think teachers will buy and then charging hundreds of pounds. And, you know, they'll get a few people, I guess, but not very many. And I suppose that depends on the business model that they want to work with. I suppose it depends how many teachers you want to hit. But if you're going to do this, then it's better to line up the next product first so that you can make them a returning customer or even try like a monthly subscription so that you can split the cost. You know, Netflix, I think it's £9.99 a month. We actually pay £120 for Netflix for the year. But because we're paying $9.99 a month, we don't really bat an eyelid. So it's about positioning it for teachers. And if it is going to be more expensive, then you do need to maybe look at something that's more affordable and a monthly model because teachers pay a lot out of their own money and they resent that. And the unfortunate thing is, is that they pay for things out of their own money because of school budgets. But in the moment, they're not directing that frustration at the government. They're directing that frustration at us, the people who are providing the educational materials or whatever, whatever they're trying to buy. And it's just an unfortunate circumstance, really, that we're the ones then that are kind of taking the brunt of it, even though you know we're working really hard to, to help them. So point number nine, then, when it comes to pricing your education services for schools and teachers it's all about raising the prices when you've been too cheap. So you'll know by now that I openly share when we did things that didn't work. And instead of continually increasing the price, which would have been sensible, um, we didn't do that. We kept it the same until it was too late in the early days. And we added so much, but we just didn't increase the price enough. And we should have done that. So then we're at a point where we really needed to jump the price because it was it was way too cheap and others in the market had, had raised their prices and it just didn't fit right anymore. So in 2017, we tried to introduce like a new level of subscription where teachers would pay like £10 more and they would get a different, um, loads of different resources. And I thought, oh, we're doing this really well. You know, I'm categorizing the resources. It's not a potluck. It's certain types of resources are in this extra level. Um, but yeah, it went down like a ton of bricks. And half the issue was how we launched it, to be honest. I think at that point, you know, Classroom Secrets was known as 
the one that was really affordable and maybe I didn't understand that. Um, so then I suppose we were becoming less affordable um, yet that was maybe what we were known for so something that, that I needed to look at really. Um, and the other thing was that teachers didn't want that confusion in their lives um, and they already had some, some of them this frustration from another website where they didn't always know whether they'd be able to download that particular resource. They could search for a resource and then not be able to download it even though they'd paid something. And I think the main lesson here is just because a competitor's doing it and it seems like it's working okay, it doesn't mean to say you should do it. <laughs> Especially if you don't have a big team to deal with the fallout as well. Um, but I think the way you succeed through that is with honest and vulnerable messaging. And, you know, I had some very vulnerable posts where I said, you know what, we got it wrong. And, and we took that back and we, we let them have access to the level two. And I remember um, my sister, who still works with us now, Shan, the ops director, I think she was uh, she was a proofreader at the time, I think. And um, me and Ed, we spent the whole of a bank holiday weekend. Oh, my mum as well, because my mum works with us. We spent the whole of a bank holiday weekend going through and manually changing each of the resources that were in this level two um, to allow them to be on the site. So we just added hundreds of resources overnight um, to the subscription. But what I did say is, look, we've invested so much into this and we can't just you know do it for nothing. So in time we're going to have to raise those prices. And actually the, the feedback was quite good on that about the vulnerability and the honesty and explaining, you know, the position we we're in. And before that really, I'd not looked at personal brand at all. And I think if I had started building a personal brand before that point, I would have been more understood. But people didn't know even how big the company was. They had their assumptions and things. So yeah, I hope that lesson is is helpful but selling to teachers is especially hard and you know teachers don't always under the understand the realities of running a business because that's not that's not what their experience is and they don't really worry where their money is coming from they get paid and they'll always get paid because it's coming from the government so I think the other thing to remember is that because they're expected to give ridiculous amounts of goodwill sometimes they can unintentionally expect the same from resource companies or things like that um or other companies in education and it's not that um I don't think they intentionally mean to do that it's just part of the the culture of education and sometimes that is expecting to not pay for things at the fair price um so this is slowly fading now but back in 2013 there was definitely this idea going around that if it was digital then it should be free because you know nobody had spent time on it or anything and you could be paying four members of staff to create it but there could still be this perception that it should be free or that accounts can be shared. So the messaging around it is hugely important to get buy-in from your audience to understand what it costs you to deliver what you're delivering as well. So anyway, that's why building a brand is, a personal brand is so important. You know, you've got to speak to your audience in the right way and educate them gently how things are different in business because it's not something that they necessarily understand. And be vulnerable about what it costs to run and provide a service for them when you're raising those prices. You give them plenty of warning so that they can get it at the old price. So when, you know, when we did level two, we, I think it might have been um, May time when I did my statement, I said that we'd be raising the prices in August. So I gave them a really long window so that they could get it at a cheaper price. And, you know, reward long time subscribers as well for supporting you. So we have a program where, you know, 
subscribers who joined maybe in 2014 or 2015 are still on a really low rate because they're still supporting us and they supported us in the beginning. And when people renew, they actually get a discount for that as well. So sometimes when we want to raise our prices, we just have to take the hit as well. So we might realize that we need to increase our price by £20, but we know that's not going to fly well. So we're going to have to do 10 now, and then we're going to have to raise it over a number of years slightly more. And we're going to have to take that hit because it is possible just to upset everyone so much, um, especially if you don't have the right messaging and not be able to move forward on that. So you do have to be prepared to take that hit. And the the thing that I want to say with this is, yes, you've got to recover if you if you are too cheap and you need to raise those prices. But when you've done that, you need to commit then to raising the prices regularly so that you don't get into the same situation again. So the last point that I want to make then is about price jumps as you go. So I've just mentioned about committing to raising your prices regularly and that is what we should be doing. Now, one of my mentors says that you should increase your prices by 10% every year. And to be honest, this makes me feel uncomfortable, but I know that we should be increasing. I guess it's all about messaging, just as I've been saying, and giving them plenty of notice and educating your audience on the extra value. So are there more resources available now or have you got more experience or has the price of stock gone up? So it's really important to share this information with your audience and, and feel like you have integrity around that price jump and know that it's the right thing. So there's so much food for thought there and maybe you haven't you know, priced yet, maybe you're new to business or it could be that you need to reprice and hopefully these pointers will help you get on the right track. So if you found this episode helpful at all, I would absolutely love it if you could just share it with one friend who will find it useful to grow their business in education. I just want to reach as many people in education business as possible so I can be that knowledgeable friend that I never had. Thank you for listening to the Education Business Podcast. To get more information to grow your business, sign up at educationbusinessclub.co.uk. 